Acts 5, verses 3 and 4 read, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Then it says, You have not lied to man, but to God. Hello and welcome back to Think This Way, the podcast of Faith Bible Church. My name is Bryce. I'm one of the pastor elders here, and I have today with me again, Dan Gielock. Thanks, Dan, for being here. Oh my goodness, I'm back. <laughs> You're back. You just keep coming back. That's one of the best things about you, Dan. Perseverance. You know, it'd be better if I was invited, but you know, <laughs> I'm just going to show up. You've broken the lock on the door. I can't. No. We're so glad you're here, especially because now we're talking about this quarter, the Holy Spirit, um, which is a subject especially meaningful to me. I know especially meaningful to you as well, Dan. Um, this is our second week of focusing on the Holy Spirit, so we wanted to touch on something very basic, but pretty essential and important when we think of the Spirit, and sometimes misunderstood, and that is that the Holy Spirit is God. So that's what we're talking about today. And I thought we'd get started, uh, Dan, by me just asking you, you know, not everybody, unfortunately, believes that the Holy Spirit is one person of the triune God. What are some other views about the Holy Spirit that are out there? Well, you know, even among Christians, there's there's debate and all sorts of views. I remember when Star Wars first came out, the Force was supposed yeah. to be the Holy Spirit, and people were really a little confused, but, you know, the Scripture is very plain. The Scripture is plain in Genesis chapter 1. God said, let us make man in our image. The Spirit of God was moving upon the waters. Some people think that what they see in the Old Testament about the Holy Spirit coming upon and gifting and enabling people for specific tasks is what's happening today so that the Holy Spirit is not permanent. And of course, that flies in the face of Scripture, Ephesians chapter 1, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. A promise. And of course, you think about the passage in Romans, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you are none of his. And then there's a feeling that the Holy Spirit is a feeling, nothing more than... Well, anyway, I'm going to stop singing. And That was to vaccinate everyone against that <laughs> idea. <laughs> uh, and uh, Jesus said, I will send you the Spirit. You know, I will ask, I will pray to the Father, I will ask the Father, and I will send you the Comforter, and he will abide with you forever. So it's not only permanent, but he is a person who abides. And I think you did a good job in a sermon recently talking about that very thing. Jesus cannot be physically present with everybody, but the Spirit of God is there. And one way to to blaspheme the Holy Spirit is to elevate ourselves where we think that we have the same power of the Holy Spirit. We can speak things into existence. And th there's a book out, some people may know, Heaven is for Real, where uh, the person who wrote it said that the Holy Spirit is a blue transparent ghost. And uh, you know, there's a lot of things that, that are wrong with that book, but that is one that makes you cringe. And, you know, the work of the Holy Spirit now is not to knock people down, produce silly, giggling, uncontrolled laughter, hypnosis, trances, convulsions, hiccups, uncontrollable laughter, barking like a dog, Holy Spirit vomiting, and such nonsense. Uh, 
So there are, yeah, there are a few misconceptions out there. Absolutely. Some more egregious than others. And I think even for people who are listening right now, so if you're listening to this podcast and you love the Lord, hopefully you're not on the far end of that spectrum. But I'd say it's it's likely that for you as well, there may be some confusion in your mind about who the Spirit really is. Certainly He's God, who He is, how He functions, which is why we're talking about this. And I suppose a comfort in that regard would be that the first centuries of the church were spent on this question. They didn't have the benefit we have of hindsight of church history, but those first few hundred years of the church, they really, at the very beginning, so much of the conversation was about Jesus. Is he God? And if he's God, how does that work if we only believe in one God? So then you had the Council of Nicaea in 325 coming out very clearly and saying, yes, Jesus is God, but there is a distinction of persons. Well, it took another several years to really solidify as a whole the idea that the Holy Spirit was God. It was already held, but to make clear, how do we even talk about that? And it was at the next, what we call ecumenical council, which was the Council of Constantinople in 381. And this came out of that council. It's actually added, if you ever see the Nicene Creed, this is usually added to it, but it really came out of Constantinople. It was added on after that council. Speaking of the Holy Spirit as, quote, the Lord and giver of life, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified. So they didn't come out and say, he is God, but they said everything you can to make that point without saying it. And so that was the idea there at Constantinople. Of course, those are just councils. I'm just saying that because um, if you have a hard time wrapping your mind around the idea of the Holy Spirit, you can know that's been the case in church history. However, we do have clear teaching from Scripture to guide us. So now that's what we turn to. Just to keep things really brief, if you're looking at your Bible and trying to say, how do we know the Holy Spirit is God? And not any of these crazy things that Dan just listed. Not less than God, but he actually is God. I want to give you a really simple two steps in your Bible that make this clear. Here's step number one. The first step is to see in the scriptures that God and the Holy Spirit are equated. And it's not very hard to see. Um, so, for example, I started by quoting Acts 5, where there you have Peter talking to Ananias, who was lying about a sum of money that he was donating for the good of the church. And Peter says to him in verse 3, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? To lie to the Holy Spirit. Then go to verse 4, and he says, you've not lied to man, but to who? The Holy Spirit? To God. So clearly to Peter and to Luke writing that, those two are equated to refer to God is to refer to the Holy Spirit there. There's a oneness, if you will, between them. Here's just another one from the Old Testament. Psalm 139, we know it well. Where shall I go from your spirit, your spirit, referring to Yahweh, the Lord, God? Where do I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. So wait, I thought we were talking about his spirit being there. Like you and your spirit. Now, even with that being the case, someone, and many have, could respond and say, well, they're equated, God and his spirit, because the spirit just refers to the power of God, or it's just another way of poetically referring to God himself. That's why they're equated. So you have to move from step one, 
to step two, which is in the Bible, not only is the Spirit equated with God, but the Spirit is also distinguished as a person from God the Father and God the Son. So let me give you a clear example of this. Hard to get clearer than Matthew 3 when Jesus is being baptized. It says in verses 16 and 17, Immediately he went up from the water. So there's Jesus. That's God the Son. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. So now you have the Son there, and you have the Spirit. And behold, a voice from heaven, clearly the Father, said, This is my beloved Son. So he's the Father. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. So there you have the Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Son. This is a real problem for those dear folks who believe in modalism. Yes. who believe that God is simply manifested in one of three forms at different times. But here in this passage, an historic passage, which is referred to a number of times throughout all of the New Testament, you see the triune God present. Absolutely. So if you have a good understanding, really, of the Trinity, the concept of the Trinity, then you can understand what we mean when we say the Holy Spirit is God. And this is a great passage that counteracts something like modalism that makes it clear that there's a distinction between Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but at the same time, they are one. That's what the early councils were all wrestling to, to be able to even say, not that we understand it fully, but even to say. One more example of the distinguishing between Father, Son, Spirit is at the end of Matthew, the Great Commission, where Jesus said, commands us to be baptizing disciples in the name of, and it's one name, it's the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So there you have Father, Son, and then Holy Spirit, which I suppose you could say, oh, the Father and the Son and the Father's power, the Father and the Son and the universal force, but that would be very unlikely. It's a name, and it's the name that belongs to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, and that putting the Spirit alongside Father and Son, along with all the activities of the Spirit that are listed in Scripture, make it clear, and this is something I need to reiterate often, that we refer to the Spirit as a he, not an it. And I find myself having to catch myself sometimes. The Spirit is not an it. And although language changes and we recognize that, the Spirit is never referred to as the feminine form of God. So we do not refer to the Holy Spirit as a female pronoun she. That's very well said. And that was not really ever an issue until feminism more recently kind of made it an issue. But now it is. The Spirit, even though in the Old Testament the Hebrew word that is used is feminine, grammatically feminine, don't let anyone tell you that means the Spirit is a female. It is not true. That's not how grammatical gender works in that case. So we're going to refer to the Holy Spirit at Faith Bible Church as a he. And if you need a New Year's resolution, that would be a good one. This year, I'm going to refer to the Holy Spirit as a he, not an it. I'm going to think about him as a he, <laughs> not an it. It takes practice. Well, it does. And it also it is, it is important to be careful about how we address God, how we think about God, 
that we don't fall into idolatry. That very question of, is the Holy Spirit the feminine form of God? No, you see the attributes of God equally shared among the three persons of the Trinity. And so you don't have a a separation of emotions or a separation of characteristics. They all three share the characteristics. And that's a perfect segue, Dan, because the question I wanted to conclude us on this at the end of this little theology lesson is this question of application. Why does it matter that someone listening to this podcast be absolutely convinced that what we just said is true, that the Holy Spirit is one person of the triune God? Why does that even matter? Well, first off, it is all part of the riches of the glory of the triune God who indwells the believer. And to have a substandard or sub-biblical view amounts to idolatry and even blasphemy. The Spirit of God is referred to quite a number of ways in the scriptures. The breath of the Almighty, the eternal Spirit, the generous Spirit, the good Spirit, the Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living God, Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ, Spirit of the Father, Spirit of the Son, Spirit of life, the Spirit of wisdom, counsel, might, understanding, knowledge, wisdom. And so to Break that apart is to have a lesser view of God that I think is quite demeaning and robs us of all of the comfort and the joy that is represented by knowing that the one who indwells us, the one that Jesus sent to us to be within us and among us is our comforter. He is the one who enables us and empowers us And to diminish that, I think, is to our own detriment. Thomas Goodwin, a great Puritan, said this, Our worship is sometimes with the Father, then with the Son, then with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the believer's heart is drawn out to consider the Father's love in choosing, then the love of the Son in redeeming, and sometimes the love of the Holy Spirit that searches the deep things of God and reveals them to us. We should never be satisfied in our worship until all three persons lie level in us and we sit there in the midst of them while they all manifest their love to us. John Owen talks about 2 Corinthians 13, 14, which is this wonderful doxology, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And Owens, commenting on this, said this, The saint's fellowship is with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Dan, I have a bonus question that I've not asked you before, and it's not in the notes. (laughs) It can be edited out if we need. No, but as a genuine question, follow-up to that, if someone's wondering, should I pray to the Holy Spirit? What would you tell them? Well, that's a great that's a great question. As a matter of fact, that's one of the uh, one of the questions that I remember uh, reviewing in our doctrine classes uh, in the Christian college my wife and I went to. And most of the prayers in the Scripture are directed to the Father through the Son and enabled and empowered by the Spirit. So you don't see many examples. As a matter of fact, you would be hard pressed to find two or three. But you are praying to the triune God. And when you address one, you are indeed addressing all three. 
I hope that's helpful. That's, I think that's very helpful. I was, I was so glad to hear that. That was the answer I heard years ago when that question came to me, and then someone answered it, and I thought, that's exactly right. That's a legitimate question. If the Spirit is God, can I pray to Him? Because you don't see it happening in the Bible. But we do, like you said, John Owen's quote, we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and we should be aware of that, and we can express that in prayer. Someone listening to this podcast, perhaps in the past, did think of the Spirit more as a force, a la Star Wars of the 70s. Or maybe you thought of the Spirit as God putting on a mask. Now he's the Spirit. Now he's the Son. Now he's the Father. You may have thought these things in the past, but may God help us all now by his grace to think this way. 